0: The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City...
1: Amen. Good morning, church. Uh, My name is Stephanie. I am one of the assistant directors of our young adult ministry, and I will be reading from Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11 this morning. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ, through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Oh, sup, fam? How are you guys doing today? That is terrible. Man, you guys are as good as the weather. I, I like it. Hey, I was uh, trying to figure out. My name is Jared. I have the joy of being one of the pastors here. I was trying to figure out why I felt so rusty writing my sermon this morning. It's like, oh, yeah, because I haven't done this in two months. So, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jared. Glad to meet you. I have met some people who have like, I've never actually seen you preach here, which is which is pretty fun. So, uh, God's been good. A lot of good things have been going on. Uh, welcome. This is the Burbank location of Story City Church. If you weren't sure, you are in Burbank. We have a uh, Granada Hills location also meeting this morning. And in both places, uh, both locations make up the family of churches we call the Story City Collective And uh, we want you to know that your story is welcome here. We value your story. We actually believe that it contributes to our identity as a community and helps us reach our goal. And our goal is to be a healthy church, which means that we have healthy relationships with Jesus and people. That word is something you should hear a lot here because it's a big deal to us. But that comes from Jesus' statement in Luke 10, 27, where he answered... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This process of getting healthy is called healthy discipleship, or we like to use the word apprenticeship here. And so our goal is to be a healthy apprentice of Jesus. What does that mean? Let me define it for you in Story City terms. We would say a healthy apprentice of Jesus Christ is increasingly engaged in learning believing, living out the gospel, and helping others to do the same. They're becoming healthy spiritually, emotionally, socially, and economically. Healthy apprentices proclaim and display the gospel to others in a way that leads to healthy people and healthy communities. Now, a little family business before we go any further. As the strikes linger On, I want to remind you that many of us here are impacted, and so if you find yourself in a situation where you need assistance, please email us at care at storycitychurch.com. That's care at storycitychurch.com. Monique and her team will review review your needs and assist how we can. For those of us who are not currently impacted or those of us who are able to still um, uh, assist, um, we, we really do need help. And our ability to help those in need is directly tied both to our continued tithes and offerings, but also to our generosity to the, the Congregation Assistance Fund, which is a fund we've set up to make sure that we're able to uh, still keep lights on, still do ministry in the community, but also have the resources to care for those who need it as this goes. So please give how you can. We've already had a number of requests come in for help, and we're doing our best to answer that. So is that fair? Is that good? You guys understand what we're trying to do with that? Great. Great. All right, let's get to our minute to mingle question. What's one thing more enjoyable when shared with others? What do you guys have? Eating. Yes. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, what else? Sports. Conversation. sports. Conversation. I don't know. I mean, sometimes you can be a better listener with yourself. <laughs> Although you can't get stuck in a loop. So that's, that's fair. Okay, sports is better. Why? That's, that's an interesting one. Sports, Why? Yeah. Okay, we can talk about co-ed sports later, Gavin. That's all right. <laughs> what else? Camping. Camping. Okay. All right. Board games. Board games. Yeah? Yeah, that's true. Uh I have um <laughs> my my extroverts are like anything. Anything is better. And my introverts are like silence. Silence is better with others. That's yeah. Uh, for me, I've, I, I have three favorite sounds in the world, okay? Here's my, here's my favorite sounds. And I've realized this, this is how much of an extrovert I am. Th- these things all have to do with other people. Uh, children laughing. There's just something about children laughing that is just like, oh, that's, that's one of my favorite sounds. My second favorite sound is uh, people worshiping Jesus together. There's just something about like, a community coming together and worshiping Jesus and you hear the voices together. Yeah. And the third is two Harley Davidson motorcycles, their engines perfectly in sync, riding side by side. There is nothing like that sound uh, either. So anyway, but all those things to me are things that are better done with people. And let's, let's pray this morning and we'll get to the rest of our message. Father God, as we come before you, we just ask that you would open our hearts, our minds to you that we would look to you this morning through, Lord, the remainder of our praise, or the remainder of the songs to come in in, in our praise and worship, the remainder of our praise through uh, proclaiming your word. Help us to learn and hear and understand, to know you, to love you, to be more like you. Father, we pray a special blessing on all the other churches this morning that are working hard to proclaim your name. Thank you for a church for the nations who will meet in this building later. For First Presbyterian Burbank, who is, uh, Lord, trying to find their senior pastor and working hard? Same with Emmanuel Church. Lord, bless them. Thank you for Pastor Nick and keeping him alive through his stroke, uh, Lord, at City Light. Thank you for all the ways that you have blessed that church. Please protect them, Lord. We pray for Calvary Bible this morning, for South Winds, Lord, for so many others. Thank you for the churches that are desperately trying to proclaim and display your glory this morning. Would you? pour your favor out on them, and uh, and, and Lord, keep them going strong in these difficult times. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for this place in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, we are kicking off a new series today. It's called Fight, Pursuing Joy Through. That's it. And then each message will be how we pursue joy. Um, In our last series, A Mentally Healthy Faith, Dr. Henry Cloud talked about how if we're going to change, then we have to not just let go of something, but we have to take a hold of something else. We need to replace what we're doing and thinking with something that's more healthy. Romans 12.2 says that we are transformed or changed by the renewing of our mind. And that renewal comes about by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so over the next few weeks, we'll look at how the Holy Spirit will help us pursue a heart and an attitude of joy through the truth of Scripture. For those taking notes, this is our big idea for the day. That we pursue joy by holding on to the truth that God will continue to work in and through us. We pursue joy by holding on to truth that God will continue to work in and And through us, we're going to see how God works in all things for our good through His Spirit and His church, that a healthy community generates joy, and how at Story City Church we pursue joy through our apprenticeship rhythms. Now let's go back and remind ourselves of the scripture this morning. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 says this Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you're all partners with me, circle that word, partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment So that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. Now Paul writes this letter to the Philippians from prison. At this point, Paul does not know if he's going to survive. It's like, I don't know how this is going to go and if he loses his case It's death, like this could be the end. And so you feel this tension definitely in the writings of Paul to the church in Philippi. It makes the highs higher and the lows lower. It's impactful. Now, uh, some people will argue that he wrote this from Rome. I happen to believe there's a growing consensus that he was in Ephesus. You're like, why does it matter? It doesn't. It just helps us understand the time frame and uh, and, and kind of the context of what he was writing in. Author N.T. Wright says this book has been described as one of like familial friendship. Like he's really proud, like they're his kids. But N.T. But goes on to describe that this is better, uh, a better way to say this would be, this is koinonia. Koinonia, which is true and practical fellowship. It's like family, but also it includes the idea of friendship and support and unity and partnership around a common goal. Now in these days, uh, Prisoners were responsible for paying for their own prison stay. And so Paul's arrest is akin to a house arrest. He's, he's, it's not like, uh, like we have today in penitentiaries. Uh, but food and parchment and ink and any of the incidentals all must be provided by the person who has been arrested. And so um, when Paul is writing this letter, he had, he had planted a church in Philippi. He had, become, uh, he had given everything to them. And now they're in a place where they've just given stuff back to him. They had just supplied his needs. They had just helped make sure that he survives in prison. And so the blessed become the blessor. The, the spiritual children begin to take care of their spiritual parent. They're now caring for him. And this is why you see Paul just overflowing with joy in these first 11 verses as he responds to their gift. You see this in verse 3 and 4 and 5. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. You can feel it. Man, I'm so every time I think about you, I'm so grateful. I'm always praying with joy for all of you in every prayer. I'm sure that not every single prayer was about the Philippians, but he's 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 expressing this like incredible desire and he, he says this because of your partnership. That's an important one. From the gospel uh, in the gospel, from the first day until now, the first day they are planted until now, they've been continually faithful. And he picks this up in seven and eight, and he says, "Indeed, it's right for me to think about you this way. It's right for me to be joyful. It's right for me to express this because I have you in my heart. I'm grateful. I hold on to you there. This is an important relationship, and your partners. There's that word again: partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment. You're helping me here physically, but also." In the defense and confirmation of the gospel. It's not just about me being in prison, Paul, saying it's, it's also about the work that we're doing. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And so we see that word partnership in both of these sections. And this brings us back to the idea of koinonia. It's joint ownership of a purpose and vision that unites us. But as we're going to see in verse 6, it's bigger than just Paul and the people of Philippi. See, the verse 6 is what actually connects those two passages. For those taking notes today, this brings us to our first observation for the day. God works in all things for our good through His Spirit and His church. God works in all things for our good through His Spirit and His church. Now, Paul's not just gushing over the Philippian church because they gave him a gift, right? He's not just like whew, finally y'all, where have you been? Like, I'm I'm grateful. It's it's not just because of the gift. See, Paul's actually excited about the heart behind the gift. That's what matters to Paul. He's excited about their heart for Jesus and people, and he points to their generosity and love towards him as evidence of what's happening in their hearts and and, and why they gave this gift. Remember, Paul doesn't know if he's ever going to see them again in person. And so he uses verse 6 to point towards God's promise of continued growth with or without Paul. Look at verse 6 again. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now I want us to see a couple things in this verse. First, Paul points out the fact that God is the one that started the work in us. God is the one that started the work in us. This word that he uses is actually like inaugurated. It wasn't there before and God brought something to bear that was not existing. It's inaugurated. But it also, as one author writes, the tense employed or the way that it's written points us to a decisive and deliberate act. Both the impulsive and the imperfect are ruled out. In other words, here was something that God planned and executed to perfection in us. Paul points out in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. See, we didn't save ourselves. God did the work first, and we get to respond to it. And so that's the first part of this. Paul starts off in verse 6 with understanding that this came from God. The next thing I want us to see about verse 6 is that Paul uses this word that we translate work, and it's the word eron. It means uh, what is accomplished by one's effort andor agency. Okay, what do I mean? I mean, in other words, the work in us is accomplished by God directly and through his people as his agents. God started and initiated a work in us, that work is carried out by the Holy Spirit and by his church. That God has chosen to use his kingdom, to use his people, his church, to further his kingdom, to expand the gospel, to work in and through people's lives. is weird to me because we are so broken and flawed. right? It's like, God, why would you choose us? And yet he does. He chooses the broken and the flawed to accomplish his mission. It just shows how great he is. We see this in in things like John chapter 20, Ephesians chapter 2, and many more places. But wait, there's more. Two for the price of one. No. Um, We don't just get to experience this work internally. We partner in the same work externally. By using this word eron, Paul is telling us that we have complete assurance that God will work in us and that his will will be done. But using that word points us to the fact that it's also going to be accomplished through us. And it gives us this responsibility by using that word. And see, Paul is showing his church in Philippi that they have the right idea in caring for him because it's modeling, it points to their responsibility to bring about the kingdom of God, following the lead of the Holy Spirit in the community around us. The next thing I want you to see in verse 6 is that this is a continual process. The big Christianese word for this is sanctification. Sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. Sanctification. Hands yeah, like you guys heard that word before. That's pretty cool. Sanctification is the process of daily becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, we don't have the ability to do that. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit does that inside of us. Again, that goes back to the renewing of our minds. But sanctification in us is complete when Jesus comes back to return, when Jesus returns to set all things right, to bring heaven to earth, right? We don't go to heaven. That's a medieval thing. Heaven comes to earth. There's a new heaven, new earth, and God removes the separation between the physical and spiritual realms. That is at the end of days. In that moment, we become sanctified. God uh, is done working on us in that way. And so Paul is joyful in this moment. One of the reasons his joy is overflowing is because he's holding on to the truth and he requires us, he encourages us to hold on to the truth that God will continue to work both on us and in us and through us. Through his Holy Spirit and his agents, the church. This is why the word partnership found uh, is found in the verses before and after 6. Because it, again, it's highlighting. He connects the two and points us back to it. Now if this is true, what is good work? And what does it mean that God works it out for the good? All right. God is King of the universe, God is in control. God is good, but that doesn't mean that He is the direct cause of everything that happens. God can and will accomplish His good purposes no matter what, but that's a far cry from saying that God uh, that everything that happens is somehow good or necessary. Right? Everything that happens is not good, and everything that happens is not necessary. God did not bring about Ahmaud Arbery's death. God did not make Cain kill Abel. God did not give my son Down syndrome and autism. We live in a broken world that is different than God had intended. Murder and disease happen as a result of sin. Sometimes the trials and hardships that we face are the result of our own or other people's sinful choices and foolish decisions. That's not God's doing, that's our doing. And yet God somehow works in the midst to redeem and restore and renew and so the Bible says even what the enemy means for evil God intends for good God can work things out for good so what is he saying right you might have heard people say that God works out everything so that it's good but that's not what scripture says Paul writes to the church in Rome in Romans eight twenty eight. we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose now notice what it says All things work together for the good, not God makes all things good. That is an important distinction. You guys catch it? That is an important distinction. God doesn't make everything good. God makes good out of all things. Scripture tells us that God works in all circumstances to do what's best for us and for his kingdom. Which means that sometimes the things that's absolutely best for us does not feel very good. It's why we can, though, as as the book of James tells us, find joy in the midst of our suffering, joy in the midst of our hardship. Why? Because we know that God isn't just going to leave it to be pointless. That when we experience trials and frustrations and setbacks and difficulties, even if they're not our own choices, but somebody else's choices, that God redeems and restores and uses those things in us for the best outcome for us, who He's making us to be, and for His kingdom. In fact, if we want to understand the context of Romans chapter 8, we have to go back and look and answer the question about what that good work is. We have to look at verses 28 and 29 together. Look at this. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son so that we, he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Okay, so what is the purpose in verse 28? We see in verse 29, it's to be conformed to the image of his son. To be like Jesus. Sanctification. A couple things here. This is something that's important for us. One, it applies to someone who loves God. That's who God's working in. Two, people who have been called according to his purpose. That means people who know and love Jesus and are his obedient followers. In other words, the church. For those taking notes today... This brings us to our second observation. A healthy community generates joy. A healthy community generates joy. All right, we've learned that God initiated a process that he's going to continue. We've learned that through that process, God works in all things for our good and the good of his kingdom through the partnership of his Holy Spirit and the church in order for us to become conformed to the image of his son, that sanctification. But how does that Work. What is the process? And this is where we pick back up in our scripture today, verses 9 to 11. It says this, And I pray this, okay, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge, and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Look at what Paul says. Love must grow. Knowledge must grow. Discernment must grow. But more than that, it's a promise that God will do this in us. God is going to bring about more love, more knowledge, more discernment, but it has a point. And the word that Paul uses for we'll keep on growing means to be uninterrupted. That it's not able to be stopped. That God is doing this continually in us. And Paul says, I hope that this continues in you, that this is not interrupted in you so that... You can use this knowledge and discernment to examine, to test, to judge the genuineness of what is good. This results, as Paul writes, is that we are filled with the fruit of righteousness found in Jesus that brings glory and praise to God. As Eric Grooms pointed out in the sermon prep this week, good job, Eric. This growth doesn't just happen through, like, thoughts and prayers alone, right? Like, I hope you got this, bro. Good luck. See ya. No, it it requires... Uh, growing spiritually requires the Holy Spirit. It requires the church. It requires hard work. And yes, it requires adversity and struggle. Look what Paul's saying, though. In gospel community, we see God work in and through his people. He works with his church and through his church to do what's best for his people as we experience life and we're sanctified through all the circumstances we face. We get to do it together. We learn and grow together. And so the truth of that hope is an incredible joy. Why? Because we have people, the Bible says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep and mourn. Lament with those who lament. We have people along with us for this riot. It's a family. I mean, how could we not be joyful when we truly understand what God He's doing in us and through us. I mean, all of it matters then. It matters that we first love, though. And it's no accident that Paul starts here. It's exactly where Jesus started. Matthew 22, verses 35 to 40 says, And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. That word like means equal to it. The second one is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this statement is incredible. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. In other words, uh, another uh, another translation says summed up in these commands. In other words, loving God with all we are and have and loving people in the same way. If we can do those things, we actually end up fulfilling all the requirements that Scripture has of us. That's incredible. Everything is wrapped up in those two commands. All scripture can be summed up by loving God and people with everything we have. You can see why Paul is so enamored with this process of God working in us and through his Holy Spirit in his church. So how does the church practically live this process out? For those taking notes today, this is our third and final observation for the day. At Story City Church, we pursue joy... Through our apprenticeship rhythms. Our apprenticeship rhythms. Now at the beginning of the message, I described a healthy apprentice of Jesus as someone who is increasingly, right? Like we don't expect you to all get it right away. We're learning together. I'm still learning. We're all learning. So we're increasingly, day by day, engaged in learning, believing, living out the gospel, and helping others to do the same. This is exactly what we see in verses 9 to 11 of today's scripture. We believe the best learners are people who get to learn within community, learn within family. And so here at Story City, our family has some apprenticeship rhythms that help us become those healthy apprentices of Jesus. They are worship in services, live in groups, learn in studies, and serve in teams. Now, when we worship in services together, something amazing happens. It's like we get to bring all these separate lives together, And experiences together. And they actually make something better than we are alone. There's something incredible. If you look around, uh, a lot of y'all, you would not maybe even say hi to each other in the street. I had somebody do that the other day. He sat down next to me and we started talking. He's like, oh, you're pretty cool. I never would have said hi to you. It's like, why? He's like, you're scary, man. (laughs) Okay. But the reality is that we have one common bond here. Jesus. Jesus brings us Together, we have a common purpose and a common mission, and we get to share our experiences and do life together. And that's what happens in the worship session. All of these rhythms come together. It's a place we practice learning from God's word, learning to be open and vulnerable, loving people and serving the people around us, and being generous to the point of inconvenience. Living in groups for us A healthy community, there's that word again, is key to being healthy apprentices. God is a triune God, is always in community with himself. And so we are to be like God, to be in community. Do you know that uh, the Bible is written to community? There's no lone ranger Christians in the Bible. Um, One of my favorite theologians has said that, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he has said that any Christian that thinks he can do Christianity by himself does not understand Christianity. That from the beginning we are designed to live within relationship with God and other people. And so our groups are where we practice biblical community and accountability. They're the front door to our family. And we believe that building a healthy community comes from emphasizing the dinner table over the stage. We learn in studies. We believe that lasting change happens when we learn to know God rather than simply knowing more about Him. And so, healthy learners are people who practice living out their gospel identity as we mature in community. This is exactly, exactly why we have things like StoryU and Right Now Media. We're constantly trying to provide different opportunities to learn, and we're trying to provide lots of different ways. So you have things like Pub Theology and Ask a Therapist and membership and parenting classes. They're all different, but they're designed to do the exact same thing. What is that? To help us grow. The knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's what we're trying to accomplish as we learn. Serve in teams is where we learn how to be servant leaders who use our gifts, talents, and abilities to model and cultivate what it means to be healthy apprentices of Jesus. You may have noticed we didn't say serve on teams. We said serve in teams. That is a cultural distinctive for us as we communicate the idea of koinonia and partnership. Just like Paul described in today's scripture. See, the apprenticeship rhythms, though, are just the beginning for us. In each of these rhythms, there are actually further apprenticeship opportunities. For example, when we say live in groups, one example of a group we're talking about, you'll hear more about today, is our missional communities. Missional communities are the primary place we learn to live out the gospel. Not on a Sunday. Why? Because I'm talking at you this morning. And we can learn, but this is not the way that many of us learn. Many of us learn in discussion and groups and, and asking questions and so that's what groups help us do. But inside that even, there's something we call DNA groups. And as a rhythm in our, in our missional communities, we participate in DNA groups. They're made up of people of the same gender, digging into Scripture, holding each other accountable, practicing confession, and encouraging each other to be more and more like the men and women that Jesus has called us to be. The serve in teams part. Our leadership development process is designed to help all of us who serve in teams develop and grow in both our faith and our leadership. We call this process the leadership development process. It's what helps us to actually build not just healthy disciples, but, but to build healthy leadership. Many of us have never seen healthy leadership, let alone uh, inside the church, let alone outside the church. And so all of this is how participating in these things helps us continue to be the people that that Paul is talking about today. In just a moment, we're going to participate in communion together. But before we do, let's recap what we learned today. We pursue joy by holding on to the truth that God will continue to work in and through us. We see that God works in all things for our good through His Spirit and His church. That a healthy community generates joy, and how at Story City we pursue that joy through our apprenticeship rhythms. Family, fighting for joy is a process, it's an action. It's not passive, but that fight is never alone. We get to fight with the help of the Holy Spirit in our church family. Amen? Amen just means, yeah, I agree. Good. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 and 20 through 28 says this As they were eating, Jesus took the bread. Blessed it and broke it. Gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat it. This is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Family and life, we can only go so long without food and water before we face the reality of death. In the same way, Jesus tells us we must abide in him. We must be connected continually to him like a branch to a vine. We must feed on Jesus or face spiritual withering and lack of fruit. We die William Farley writes, to abide means literally to dwell in. We dwell in Christ by abiding in the truth of the gospel. It's about what we're talking about the whole day. So this morning, here's the deal. As you come forward to take the juice and the bread, as you walk back to your seat, before you take the elements with your family or your friends or your community group or your DNA group, reflect on the gospel that despite our rebellion and the wrath that we deserved, God himself came to rescue and renew all creation through the person and work of Jesus. We are now his adopted and beloved children, called to his mission as we love Jesus and our neighbors. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done. But I thank you especially for all that you continue to do in us and through us. That your work in us is not done. That you have not left us. That your will will be accomplished. God, that we are being made more and more like you every day. We thank you that it's not because of our own effort or energy or strength, but because of you and your work in us. So thank you. May we respond appropriately to your grace, to your mercy, to your faith. In the name of Jesus.